Come on, y'all. Welcome Pastor Josh to the pulpit tonight. Love you, Pastor. Love you, man. How many of y'all love your pastor? If you're online, you need to just comment. Comment a heart. I love you, Pastor. How many of y'all love him in here? We have the best pastor in the world. And if you don't know, now you know. <laughs> uh, Britt, you can turn that music off. I'm kind of feeling seancey in here with it. <laughs> How's everybody doing? You know what I, I love about God is no matter what we go through, he's right there with us. I like what David said, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of, of death, he is right there with me. There is immense comfort in knowing that no matter what you face, no matter what you go through, no matter what's going on around you, God is with you. God is with you. Amen. I'm going to continue this series on redemption that Pastor Rick has started. It's been amazing. Amen. And so let's just dive right in. How about that? Let's go. Open your Bibles to Job chapter 19. We'll start right where we left off on Sunday. I'm excited about this. This is going to be a real practical teaching tonight. Tonight, the way we're going to approach the word is in a practical way with hopes that uh, we're able to draw principles and practices that will make us better. It's important sometimes that we slow down just for a minute and look at the word practically and see how we can apply it to our lives. I think a little too often we get in that place that Paul talked about where we have itching ears. We have itching ears. We're wanting to hear the next revelation. It's almost like we become junkies for the next wow moment in church or the next inspirational moment in church. And those moments are set on purpose and for divine assignment, right? But the point of or, or the purpose for us in receiving that word is to take it, apply it, put it into practice in our life so we become principled individuals. When we live by principle, there's a guarantee success will come alive in our life. Amen? So we'll approach the word from that uh, perspective tonight. Job 19, we'll start in verse 23, uh, 24. Uh, no, 23. We'll start in verse 23, King James Version. This is Job speaking. Oh, that my words were now written. Oh, that they were printed in a book. Like Pastor Rick said on Sunday, put that in your book. Write that down. That they were graven with an iron pen and lead in rock. Listen to Job. Forever. I want you to take what I'm about to say and write it down so that it lasts forever. Here's the key. For I know. Somebody say, I know. That my Redeemer lives. And we're going to take our subject. It's going to be that simple. I know. I know. Dear Heavenly Father, we love you tonight. We feel you in this room. I know the people watching online feel you right where they're at. And God, I'm asking you that your peace that passes understanding would rest not only in this room, but in every household. It would rest on every family. And God, I pray that as your word go forth, that people would be ready to receive it in their spirit, that it would produce fruit in their life, much fruit and fruit that remains. I rest on your anointing. We feel it here. We ask that some part of this message, God, would bring deliverance, healing, break yokes off people's lives, and do the work that only you can do. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. I know, I know, I know. So this series that we've been on, Redemption, we've, we've gone through three parts, and I encourage everybody to go back and watch them. There's been so much rich uh, word and, that's been deposited 
to us through this teaching, but our text is in Luke. It's in Luke chapter 21. It's out of verse 28. Jesus is addressing his disciples, and he says this, when these things begin to come to pass, what things? Nation shall rise up against nation, kingdom against kingdom. Uh, Do not be deceived. There'll be false teachers. There'll be pestilences. There'll be storms or earthquakes, etc. When you see these things, then look up and lift up your heads, for your redemption draws nigh. Look up and lift up for your redemption draws nigh. I think it's interesting when Jesus addresses his disciples in this passage, if you go back and read the whole thing, when they ask him this question, when should we be looking for the kingdom, the very first thing he tells them is do not be deceived. Do not be deceived. His primary concern, because it's the first thing he said, so it's his primary concern. His primary concern is their understanding. Where is their mind at? How are you thinking? Do not be deceived. This is the first thing he addresses because there will be those that speak in my name and say that I am he, that Jesus is Savior, but they will speak things that will cloud your mind. Why? Because there's so much happening that it's hard to find clarity. Nation rising against nation, kingdom against kingdom, earthquakes, violence, corruption in the earth. Sounds like today, right? So the first thing he tells them is do not be deceived. And as he gets to the end of his dialogue, he leaves them with this thought. Look up and lift up. Everybody say the word elevate. 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 I believe that God is calling us in this hour to elevate our posture, to elevate our outlook, to elevate our paradigm. Here's the thing. When Pastor Rick uh, uh, dropped this understanding on us on Sunday, the first thing that he came out with was if we use the word redemption as a verb, it literally means to pull up and to pull out. When God is redeeming his people, he has the expectation that there's an elevation that's going to happen in their spirit. What's happening today in this day and age is we're getting cloudy signals. We're getting too much com- uh, 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 confusion. Uh, you know, even in the house of God, men of God are calling out with confusing signals. And it's time for us as the people of God to slow it down and say, you know what? Jesus' command to us is to not be deceived. We have to come to a place of understanding for ourselves and to elevate our thinking. At Quest Church and in Quest Nation, it is our hope that you as the believer, you as the the body of Christ would elevate your thinking, elevate your spirit, elevate your posture and paradigm to come up above the mess, above the confusion, and speak the word of the Lord. Because when the word of the Lord goes forth, the true undefiled word of God, it brings healing, brings deliverance it brings clarity it brings revelation it brings you into the place that God intends you to be but it only happens if you come to a place of understanding somebody say understanding Understanding. I know I know no creature deserved redemption no creature that deserved redemption would need redemption C.S. Lewis said that I like that thought no creature that deserved redemption would receive would need redemption. I like that thought because in the body of Christ, one, one, and nationally, really, culturally, one issue I see is this posture of entitlement. This posture of I deserve. 
Whether it's because of what I went through or whether it's because of my past or whether it's because of how special I am or how good or great I am or what family I was born into or whatever, there's this posture of entitlement. And I think it's important that we get past that place. Pastor Rick said this, it is impossible to recognize your need for redemption when you do not have the revelation of who you are without it. I know one thing. I am nothing without the Lord God on my side. I am nothing without Jesus in my life. As a matter of fact, if he didn't even open up his mouth and say, Joshua Michael Reyes, I wouldn't even be existing right now. I need him in my life. Therefore, I need him to be my redeemer. I need him to be my redemption. I need him to be my deliverer and healer. I need him in my life because without him, I am nothing. Many times we go through this process, we have to go through this process to come to this revelation that we need his redeeming power. God allows us to go through what we go through so that we can come to that understanding. One of the themes throughout this whole pandemic season is, toward, uh, as far as the word to the body of Christ, is we need to humble ourselves. If my people would humble themselves. And I think it's important that we understand that. God's redemption power comes alive in those that understand that they can't do anything outside of his redeeming power. So Job, he's lost everything. He's lost everything. And somehow in the midst of all this, he has this concrete certainty that you're I, what, I, what I'm about to say, Job is saying, what I'm about to say, I'm so certain of, you better write it down and write it down in such a way that for generations, forever, this can be seen. And this is what he says. He had an elevated point of view. Somebody say elevate. elevate. He had an elevated point of view. He said, I know my Redeemer lives. I know. Now, here's what it, here's what it means in the Hebrew means three things, and this is what we're going to explore tonight. Three things. Number one, it means to know by experience. The second thing it means is to perceive and discern. To perceive and discern. And the last thing it means is to understand. To understand. So we're going to explore all three of them. Let's just jump into the first one. To know by experience. The strangest truth of the gospel is that redemption comes often through suffering. Every or all, every purpose has a process. Every purpose has a process. What validates someone's purpose is the process. Here's what I mean by that. If you're going to go get marriage counseling, right, my guess is I hope that you wouldn't choose somebody that's never been married. Right? If you're going to go get a mechanical advice you're not gonna go to a uh, I don't know a doctor if you want uh, advice on life decisions I would assume I would hope you're not gonna go to a teenager if you want medical advice you're not gonna ask the waiter at the restaurant the reason why is because the experience and education of one's process is what validates their purpose I said all that to say, never discount what you're going through. Never discount what you're facing. The process is necessary to give you the experience to be able to say, I am qualified for this. Your experiences are giving you the opportunity to step into a greater level of authority in the arena of your purpose. 
I'll say that again. The, experience, the experiences you are facing are giving you the opportunity to step into a greater level of authority in the arena of your purpose. Simply put, it's making you better. It's just making you better. When I look at everything that's going on around us, I'm saying it's making us better. But how can you say that? I don't know. I just have this firm trust in God that it's making us better. On Monday, it was uh, Kobe Bryant's uh, birthday, right? And Pastor Rick sent me this, this link. It was a, a commercial about Kobe Bryant honoring him. And it was so awesome to watch. You know, we all kind of have followed him, you know, especially this year because he passed. And, and it was amazing to see everything he looked at, every challenge he faced, every game, every practice, every encounter, every time he coached, everything he did, he never took it for granted. You could just see the testimonies of his family and the friends and people close to him. Everything he did was about being better being better in this commercial man it just you you hear his voice keep going keep grinding never stop work harder let's let's do this again tomorrow it was never done the work was never done every experience was set there to make us better to make him better and everybody imparted to and man i took a lot from that i felt a lot of a lot of conviction from that I felt a lot of conviction about, do I take these days for granted? God trusted me with this season. He trusted me to be alive and be a parent in this season. Am I taking it for granted? Or am I telling them the same, this, uh, teaching them the same lessons that I'm learning right now? Or am I letting them just go through it and figuring it out on their own? What am I doing with this season? Am I becoming better? These experiences that we go through are given to us. They're an opportunity to make us better. Experience in education is what employers look for when they hire you. Your experience in your education. And most times, an employer is going to pick up the more experienced person every time over the educated person. Because the experienced person has come to an understanding. The experienced person has been through some things. We see this all throughout the Bible. Moses is destined to be a deliverer. But before he's a deliverer, he has to have the experience of Pharaoh's castle. He has to know how to lead people. Then he has to know what it's like to make a mistake and get back up again. Then he has to know what it's like to be alone in the backside of a desert before he can ever be a deliverer. Because God had to trust that when I speak to this man, he'll listen to me. We know jo uh, Joseph, he had to go through so many things. He had to go through the pit. He had to go through uh, Potiphar's wife. He had to go through the prison before he ever reached the palace. David's the same. He's anointed. He feels this euphoric moment with the prophet. The anointing oil comes all over his life. He knows he's destined to be king. And then he's sent right back out to shepherd's sheep. Later, he's rejected. Next thing you know, he's in a cave by himself. And he has to go through all these things before he's ever in the castle as a king. Don't you know that the experiences you are going through are qualifying you for the next stage in your life? Scripture is full of these, this evidence. I mean, you can just look through it all. Pastor Rick says it like this. When you bypass the process, you become a byproduct. When you bypass the process, you become a byproduct. That simply says that you're a superficial form of what God intended you to be. How many of you know that the church is full of too many superficial, fake, plastic people? And that's why when the fire shows up, when, when, when this craziness shows up like this, it's hard to find. It's hard to locate the ones that are stalwart, the ones that are set, the ones that can say, I know. I know. But how can you say that about Job? Well, you can't discount 
Job's experience. You can't discount his experience because Job obviously did it right because he was extremely successful to the point that God said about Job to Satan, there is no one on earth like him. I want God to say that about me. He is blameless. He can't say that about me. And upright and a man who fears God and shuns evil. He had already lived a life of experience to say, if I do these things, God will bless me this way. And so because of it, he can say, I know because of my experience, my Redeemer lives. My Redeemer lives. So let's move on to the next one. To perceive and discern. To perceive and discern. I think it's important that we read this story or the passage in chapter 1 where Job loses everything so that we kind of can see how it happened to him. I questioned that today. I wanted to know, I've read Job before, but it's been so long, and I really wanted to know, how did it happen to him? Did they even know how it happened? Of course, it's in Job chapter 1. So I'm reading out of the Message Bible. This is, it's, it's tragically funny. Like, it's not funny. It's like, comedy is the word I was looking for. It's, comedy in its truest form refers to tragedy, whatever. That's a theater thing, whatever. But anyway, that's what this is. Job's, uh, verse 13, Job chapter 1. Job's sons and daughters were having a feast at the home of Job's oldest son. When someone rushed up to Job and said, while your servants were plowing with your oxen. Understand, Job is not there. It says Job's family is somewhere. So the servants come to Job. While your servants were plowing with your oxen and your donkeys were nearby eating grass, a gang of Sabians attacked and stole the oxen and donkeys. Your other servants were killed, and I was the only one who escaped to tell you about it. That servant was still speaking when a second one came running in and said, God sent down fire, one version says lightning, that killed your sheep and servants. I'm the only one who escaped to tell you. Before that servant finished speaking, a third one raced up and said, Three gangs of Chaldeans attacked and stole your camels. All of your servants were killed, and I'm the only one that survived to tell you. That's not enough, because while that servant was still speaking, a fourth one dashed up and said, Your children were having a feast and drinking wine at the home of your oldest son, when suddenly a windstorm from the desert blew the house down, Crushing all of your children, I'm the only one who escaped to tell you. Then Job arose, which means that this news had to have broken him down. And rent his mantle and shaved his head. Have you ever been so freaked out you just said, I'm shaving it. And then he fell down upon the ground. Obviously, I have. And, and he fell down on the ground and he worshipped. And he said, naked I came out of my mother's womb and naked I'll return there. And the Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Listen to that. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this, Job sinned not, and, charged, and nor did he charge God foolishly. I know. Perceive and discern. Perceive and discern. It's interesting that that is the definition of I know, perceive and discern. Because it's the same de definition as the words look up from Psalm 40 and Luke 21. Go back and listen to part two last Wednesday night, and you'll learn about that, but it's the same definition look, uh, as look up. 
perceive and discern. This whole part, this whole part of this story with Job really intrigued me because I couldn't believe the outlook this man had. I couldn't believe the outlook. Your outlook will determine the outcome. Your outlook will determine the the outcome. Throughout the book of Job, if you read the whole thing, it's interesting because you see him go through all these emotions and these experiences. And I believe this initial, this initial moment of discernment for Job set him on the path of redemption. I still trust you. I still trust you. I want to take a detour here for a minute. Don't judge, folks. Don't judge, folks, for what they go through. Don't judge people that have lost their families or lost their wife or going through hell or whatever because you don't know what, why they went through that. They knew what happened to Job. I mean, man, this man lost everything in probably five minutes. He found out he lost everything in the space of five minutes. I read that scripture longer than it probably happened. Can you imagine losing everything in a moment like that? And in the midst of this, look what he tells his friends. He tells them in in Job 19, have mercy on me, friends. Have mercy on me, for God struck me down. Are you going to persecute me too? Haven't you chewed me up enough? Pastor Rick said this. When your friends are not able to endure the mysteries of your suffering seasons, they will always assume conclusions about its source. In other words, you're going through what you're going through because you did something and you deserve it. There must be some sin in this that caused you to be going through what you're going through. They knew what happened, but they didn't know why. There are simply some things we don't know. We don't know. It is better for us to look at the people that are going through whatever it is that they are going through and saying, brother, sister, I'm here. I'm here and I'm with you, whatever you need. Instead of saying, I don't know what you did to cause all this, but just know I'm praying for you. A lot of people praying for folks and ain't doing nothing about it. All right, let's let's move on. So in, in 18 chapters later, we see Job's outlook It's not just strong, it has elevated. Because in chapter 1, he says, bless his name. But in chapter 18, he says, write it down. And then he gives him a name. He says, bless his name. But then in chapter 19, he says, I know my Redeemer lives. Why? Because he allowed those 18 chapters of mess that he was going through to elevate his understanding so that he could have a greater outlook on this whole thing. It's not enough that I know that God is for me and God is, I need to know specifically who God is in this moment right now for me and for my family. He elevated my redeemer lives. It's easy to say, I know my redeemer lives when you read the Bible and so you know how the book of Job ends, right? It's easy for you to say that. But Job was living this real time. Job was living this real time. We don't know how long that is. We know the book of Job was 43 chapters, but we don't know exactly how long it was. But Job didn't know that by the end of the book he was going to get three. He just knew he trusted God. He just knew that he had this outlook that he had to stay focused on. In the midst of extreme loss and adversity, Job maintained an optimistic outlook. I'm going to steal some notes from Pastor Rick right here. Because it's too good to be true right here. It is not what he saw, it's how he saw it. 
How we see things will always manifest itself in our attitude about what we see. I'm going to say that again. How we see things will always manifest itself in our attitude about what we see. Two simple thoughts here. Your outlook is enhanced by your insight. Your outlook is influenced by your oversight. You have to ask yourself two questions. What am I allowing in? And who am I allowing to speak into my life? Is the RNC speaking into your life? Is the DNC speaking into your life? Or are you hearing the word of God from your man or woman of God? Who's speaking into your life? I know because I perceive and discern that God is in control. All right, let's finish up. To understand. I know to understand. Job says this in, at the end, of the, in the end of the book, Job 42. Then Job replied to the Lord, I know that you can do anything, and no one can stop you. You asked, what is this question, what is that questions, who is it that questions my wisdom with such ignorance? And Job says, it is I. He's obviously humble here. I was talking about things I knew nothing about, things far too wonderful for me. His admission here is that he thought he had an understanding, but he admits it was a faulty understanding. I, I thought I knew, but I really didn't. Believers have a hard time with this, especially older believers or people that have been saved a long time. They have a hard time with this. We don't like to challenge old mindsets and old paradigms. We don't like to challenge those things. And the reason, there's a reason why. We don't challenge them. Because maybe there's fear that um, there's fear that our old actions or our past actions and accomplishments will be devalued or diminished because we changed our paradigm or our understanding. And so we refuse to challenge the understandings or paradigms that we have. The other reason that we wouldn't challenge it is because we're comfortable living in the deception we're living in and we're we're more comfortable in living in that deception that we're living in than in the truth we don't know yet. We're more comfortable living in the deception that we're living in than to take the chance at living in a truth we don't know yet. Pastor alluded to it at the beginning of the message this past Sunday when he talked about the contrast between uh, tradition and doctrine. And many belief systems are built on faulty understanding. They're built on these ideas, these concepts that have been passed down from generation to generation in the house of God, by people of God, understandings uh, that may be based in control or, or, or in condemnation. And I think that's why Jesus did what he did in Luke 21. He starts by saying, don't be deceived. Look up and lift up. Elevate your understanding. Challenge it. Get, get forceful with the way you think. With your outlook. Elevate your, too many of us live our lives based on an idea of who God is. We think we know, but we don't really know. Ephesians 1, Paul is encouraging the people of God. He says, I pray for you that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened. That they'd be turned on. Because there's this mighty power of God that wants to work in you, but there has to be an understanding that is at work in your life, in your mind, and in your spirit. 
Pastor Rick says that understanding is this. Understanding is, is the ability to relate how every event, experience, and encounter in your life relates to a far bigger picture. Proverbs 24.3 says this, through wisdom is a house built, but by understanding it is established. Understanding produces stability. Understanding produces stability. It comes from an old Anglo-Saxon word that literally means to, to, to stand under or what is under your feet, what you're standing on. Understanding isn't a gift. Understanding is not something that God gives you. That's not what understanding is. Understanding is something that you, everybody say me, me. that you have to get. Proverbs 4 and verse 5, get wisdom, and watch this, get understanding. In all you're getting, get understanding. Happy is the man that finds wisdom and the man that getteth or that gets understanding. Discretion shall preserve you understanding shall keep you. Here's what that word literally means in the Hebrew in that context, Proverbs chapter 2. The application of intelligence and discretion that produces success. The the application of intelligence and discretion, that's a big word, that produces success. So Job says, I know, I understand that my Redeemer lives. It's an understanding It may take me another 23 chapters to get to my redemption, but I know, I understand, it's what keeps me stable when I've lost everything. You might think I'm crazy. My wife might be telling me I need to deny God, but I have an understanding. I know, I understand that my Redeemer, my Avenger, He lives. He's not dead. He's not dormant. He's not sleeping. He's not ignoring. He lives. He lives. And I like that because he says my Redeemer lives. Job was the first book ever written. Did you guys know that? It's the first book written in the Bible. It's the first book written. And he's saying I know my Redeemer lives. What I just told you is he's saying that before Jesus ever came, Jesus ever died, Jesus was ever buried, and Jesus ever rose again. He knew that there was a promise because the the word of God tells us that Jesus was crucified before the foundations of the world. There was some kind of understanding that Job was willing to work for so that he could say in the midst of this hell that I'm going through right now, I can trust that my Redeemer lives. My Redeemer lives. I know. I know. Somebody say, I know. Put it in the comments. I know. I know my Redeemer lives. This is a certainty I have. And it's time for the body of Christ, the people of God, Quest Nation, Quest Church, to come to this understanding. I know. I know. The Bible teaches, uh, 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 the, the Apostle Paul encourages us. Study to show yourself approved. Study, dig it out. Go for it. Figure out what it, get an understanding. There's a big difference. Professors will tell you there's a difference, big difference between knowledge and understanding. When students go in to approach an exam, they teach them the, the simple practice. Approach the exam like you don't understand. Because then you'll approach every question from every angle and make sure that your answers are thorough and complete. If you go in there thinking you know it all, you'll answer superficially and the answer will be wrong. 
And that's how life is. We think we know. We've been in this for 30, 40 years. We've been saved our whole life. We've been raised in church. And we think we know, but do we really understand? I know. I know. I'm going to give you five takeaways from My Redeemer Lives, and then we're done. Five takeaways, five simple principles that you can take home with you. Number one, this is important. There are some things we just don't know. There are some things we just, that is a liberating thing. There's a lot of reasons why we don't know things. Some people are ignorant by choice, and it's time to get up out of that. There are some things that we don't know that we can know, and we need to know. And then there are things we don't know. We don't know, they didn't know why Job was going through what he was going through. There are some things we just don't know. Number two, purpose has a process. Purpose has a process. My experience is giving me the opportunity to be better. My experience has given me the opportunity to be better. Number three, your outlook will determine the outcome. It's not what you see, but how you see it. It's not what you see, it's how you see it. Number four, challenge old mindsets and paradigms. Paradigms are how you see things, the framework through how you see things. Challenge old mindsets and paradigms. Be willing to elevate your understanding. Be willing to elevate your understanding. And last, my understanding establishes me. I know my Redeemer lives. When I can say that, I know that God has everything under control. I just, I want to speak to you right there where you're at. You in the the sanctuary, if you'd lift your hands right now. I want to speak to you right where you're at. We're going through a lot of stuff right now. But I want to encourage you. Our Redeemer lives. I don't think he does. I don't question that he does. It's not a might or a maybe. I know he lives. My experience tells me that. My life experience tells me that. My perception, my discernment tells me that he lives. My understanding tells me he lives. And no matter how bad it is right now, and you know what? It might even get worse. But I know one thing, that he lives. And if he lives, something good is coming up out of this. I'm going to get better. The people of God are going to get better. The church is going to get better. This world will be better when it's all said and done because we know that all things, all things, all things work together for the good of them that love God and are the called according to his purpose. And so we trust you, God. We give you glory and honor. We trust you. We rest in you. And we ask you to give us the peace that passes understanding, the peace that passes anything we could ever get to, to guard our hearts and minds. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.